This is Suzanne York from Humans Optimized. We believe that advances in technology, coupled with elevated human skills, create immense opportunity in the future of work. Now, with the upheaval of COVID-19, our future has quickly become today's reality. Through the uncertainty, fear, and concern of the pandemic, we find stories of human resilience, innovation, and hope. Join us as we share our experiences, discuss what may be ahead, and explore together how we can come back stronger than we were before. In recent years, the pace of change has continued to increase at a seemingly astounding rate. Advances in technology, increased consumer expectations, and the rise of the social enterprise are trends that leaders must address to stay relevant. Now, with COVID-19 creating the ultimate disruption, every aspect of the way we live and work is experiencing some form of change. Today, I'm truly honored to talk with Teresa Moulton, Editor-in-Chief of the Change Management Review, a thought leader in the field of organizational change management, and my mentor. Teresa, welcome, and thank you for talking with me. Oh, Suzanne, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here with you. This is a very exciting project that you're working on and very important today. Thank you. It's been great to explore conversations, and, I, and I've been really excited about ours. And, and we have gotten to know each other over the past few years based on our shared passion about the topic of change. And while not everyone studies change as deeply as you and I might, I'm sure they now recognize that change has become the new constant. I mentioned your expertise in the role in uh, organizational change management. Could you share more about the field and about your company as well? Sure. So when I think about the change management field, I go all the way back to how organizational psychology and organizational development, uh, how those fields actually were created and evolved. And change management evolved out of those two fields and became a premier practice of handling the people side of change for projects and programs that uh, were more hard uh, about the hard stuff. So they were about process and technology improvements, um, large-scale technology implementations. And what happened in the 1990s is the concept of re-engineering came in and that was all about taking out a blank sheet of paper and redesigning company processes and then supporting it with technology. And that's what was implemented. But what they found is that, you know, over 70% of those projects failed because they weren't paying attention to the people side of change. And that's where change management began, um, I think, getting more notoriety in it. So it began more as a practice. And so when we think about change management, basically, it's it's the it's the way that you handle the soft stuff of change in the business so it, it includes the emotional transition it includes the psychology of adoption um, it includes all the things that need to that people need to be prepared for in order to work in the new world and it also includes um, some aspects of organizational development and some aspects of project management. So when you put this, this all together, um, we're looking at change management as um, almost like a harder science than just organizational psychology or organizational development because it's usually tied to implementation efforts within the organization. And af- 
in the 1990s, uh, when change management was applied to these harder technical um, process design oriented projects, we started finding out that it really does work. And now with some data from one of the largest um, well-known change management consulting firms, uh, we know now that if you apply proper change management to project work that you, you can get as, as high as a 87% increase in benefit of the results of the project from doing change management well. So I that's kind of yeah. the big picture perspective on the field. And now I think where we are is the field has really blossomed into its own profession. Um, so you'll see, you know, the different organizations and associations like the um, ACMP Global, the Change Management Institute, um, and the the HUCMI um, in Brazil. And when you look at these foundation, these associations, they're starting to codify and create certification programs. So the, the profession is starting to mature a little bit and it's got a lot more um, activity going on and more people coming mm -hmm. into it. Um, so I think that's, you know, I think that's probably a, a kind of a good high level picture of where I see the field. Yeah. And that, and that makes a lot of sense when initially it was enough that, that managers or leaders could tell people what they would do differently. And then as, as that no longer was sufficient to get human beings to work differently, this need to create a structured approach to get them from where they are to where you want to be has, has blossomed, I would say. Yes, I think so. And I think as you notice the economic cycles that um, the companies go through, there'll be a culture of compliance where you know people will just do more of what they're told but the the actual resistance is kind of submerged and it will come out later and then if there's a culture of you know innovation creativity and the work the workforce has um, more power per se to take whatever job they want um, that's when a lot of this adoption um, and acceptance type of psychology and approach even means more. Oh, you need mm. it in everything you do, but I see the how the different messaging and the strategies for change management change depending on the economic impact that the company is um, experiencing at the time. I hadn't thought of it that way from compliance through to adoption. Mm -hmm. And it does make sense when I think back to the different projects that I've seen. Um, and if people are included and they feel like they have some opportunity to shape the outcome of the change, then they're more apt to be a part of it right. uh, and take it on. Yeah. Well, and the the note about this idea of the psychology, what's been fascinating for me in the recent years is the inclusion of neuroscience in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that our brains don't love, our reptilian brains don't love the idea of change, um, all the way back to needing to survive as a species. Right. And so remembering that that's where we came from when it comes to to giving people an opportunity to to move past those initial sort of uh, human resistance uh, to change. Yes. And I think the, the way that um, the brain reacts and the chemicals in the brain react to certain stimuli around, around change is really important for people to realize because um, there are some things with the human brain that you can never will be able to codify and that you'll never be able to mechanize. You know, it's, it's 
um, these into these intuitions and these uh, cortisol uh, coming out in stress and how it impacts the brain and the way the thinking happens. Um, you know, there's some givens that we have to look at as um, practitioners and really even think about how those how those facts impact our communication strategies. Um, you know, are we asking people to stretch too far too soon? because we're not giving them enough time to deal with their reptilian brain as part of the mm. process. Um, another and thing, can they even hear the messaging that's coming? Right. You know, are, they, are they receptive to it, let alone is it a good message, but are they at a place of receptivity? Right. And I think of it like, is this is your brain and this is your brain on change. And when your brain is on yeah. change, you know, it's dealing with all of the physical um you know, implications of neuroscience, as well as the emotional pieces that are actually tied to that, as well as some of the reptilian brain um, programming. And when you put that all together, people aren't even conscious all the time of why they're feeling or doing something in a certain way. Um, and that, I think, adds so much depth to our field, as you mentioned, in terms of having the neuroscience be a you know, be a, an aspect of it that we're really um, looking at. In fact, there's um, a woman, uh, Judith Glazer, G-L-A-S-E-R, who has um, neuroscience, I think she came up with the concept of conversational intelligence and how neuroscience really impacts the, our conversations. And unfortunately, she passed away last year, but her organization and her online training and her book um they're really they're really fascinating so that's something if people are interested in they could take a look mm -hmm. at it oh that's a great resource and and then the irony is of this time that the the, the period that we're in with COVID-19, I mean, it's the ultimate stressor and the ultimate immediate transformation. Right. And so people aren't thinking in the normal ways that they might when when we're at a time of um, normalcy, I guess I will say, because right. I don't know what normal means anymore with six <laughs> weeks under our belt in this. Right. Um, so what has happened for you lately as, as the coronavirus has unfolded? Well, what's what's been interesting for me um, has been that because I've been a serial entrepreneur my whole life and um, always had a company that I was running, you know, and um, never really worked for someone else long term enough to um, experience, um, you know, a pink slip situation or something like that. Yeah. Um, right. So what, what I realized was, and I was talking to a couple of my other colleagues who are also independent consultants, is that we woke up last week and we said, actually, nothing's really that different from us. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're actually doing the same thing as we did before. But our clients, our colleagues, our friends, um, you know, the gen the general employee working population is going through a real traumatic change. And I think that's coming from a couple of reasons. There's just, you know, nothing to really clarify our, what they're letting go of. And then there's not mm -hmm. necessarily anything that's solid enough to say, where am I going towards? And, um, right. and that, you know, brings in, you know, Bill Bridges' model of transition and uh, his three phases, which I can talk about a little later. But in terms of coming back to how the coronavirus has really impacted me, I think for me, it's been 
really the observation of, you know, everything just changing uh, so abruptly and kind of the incredul- incredulousness of, of just sitting there and going, oh my gosh, we're all shutting down. Like, this is really real. And mm-hmm. um, the news and, you know, so I think I've gone through that kind of shock of, wow, this is like going to be written in the history books. And yeah, and then all the way down to, okay, how do I as an organism in the middle of this, you know, adjust, adjust and, you know, create some structure for myself to deal with some of that stress that comes from your macro environment changing. Right. And in the work that you do with the change management review, you are working with those of us who are the change management practitioners out there who also are looking for some guidance and stability and, and messaging that they can pass on to their employees. Right. Uh, so it's, you, you have played a very critical role in the, in the field of organizational change management during this time to help all of us contend with what we're dealing with. Yeah, I think that the the interesting part about that too is that bringing people together virtually in different combinations is really addressing the a lot of the need that people have um so our mix of you know supporting the community you know with the newsletter but also with we're going to be rolling out like a collaboration conversation that happens weekly um with people who want to just show up and talk about that issue um, some learning forums, as well as, you know, virtual change summits. Um, so trying to really put a mix of service out there that is, you know, going to be tangible from a product perspective, but also um, very tangible and intangible from an emotional perspective of connection. And I think it's that, that kind of combination that people really need and maybe airing even more on the connection side. Um, mm. right now. Right, absolutely. And that speaks to the art and science of change management in general. Right. We want the concrete methodologies, but we also need the more informal, intangible, emotion-based connections, like you mentioned. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things that change management practitioners and professionals can do right now is that they can they can actually step out of their spreadsheets and some of the project oriented work and they can look up and look out and say, wow, you know, the people in my organization, my stakeholders really need me to show up with more character and presence. Um, Mm. Daryl Connor uh, has this wonderful class called raising your game where he has taken all of his experience um, and put together a, you know, a method for you to actually become a more advanced consultant, a more trusted advisor by really taking the time to express and explore um, who you are as a person, what you stand for, and then how does that show up for clients or for stakeholders whom you're supporting. And I think that that piece is not always there from a professional standpoint with the change practitioners. And the reason is a a couple of things. One is that certification has become such a big thing now that everybody's getting certified in in the science of it. And to your point, this art piece isn't really being trained. Um, And then the other piece is that uh, if you're focused on, on change management from a project perspective, you're not really 
need, you're not really being asked all the time to show up and, um, you know, with a powerful presence and, um, put yourself out there. You know, it's, it's a more senior level, um, type of executive or, um, consultant that tends to do that. And I just think that all of us need to think about every interaction we have with our stakeholders or people in our company who are going through this and ask the question, you know, who do, who am I when I, uh, interact with this person, you know, and how can I help this person be the best they can be as they go through this transition and how, how, am I showing up to them uh, when they hang up the phone or they close out zoom, you know, how are they feeling once we've had a conversation and bringing that intangible piece of our consulting uh, into the, into the full change practitioner experience. I think that's a great description. And with COVID-19 leadership is really getting redefined because now the leaders in, in the, the pure, hierarchical power position, they don't have any more answers than anyone else on their team. Right. But what the team does need is what you've described, that calming presence, that that stability in the midst of chaos. And that isn't something that comes necess- that doesn't necessarily come with a piece of paper, but that does come with cultivating who you are and how you want to show up during this and hopefully during times of stability too. Exactly. And you know, it just reminds me of when there's a layoff. Um, a project affiliated with a layoff, sometimes the senior executives don't get that nervous, like the CEO, the COO, the CFO, unless they're part of the merger acquisition where their jobs could get yanked. Um, In general, um, the leaders just feel like, you know, they're putting together a plan and they're going to execute this in the organization. It's them, not me. Like the stake, the stake isn't felt as poignantly with the executives as it is with the rest of the organization. And with COVID-19, you can't hide from that. You can't hide from the fact that you have this program agenda that you can um, roll out and sell and whatever. It really, to your point, relies on you to dig deep into who you are and how you show up. And that's when the real leaders come to the fore, I think. And I think we're seeing them from all corners of the organization, not just yes. at the, the higher echelons. Yeah. Well, and part of that is helping employees through what we referred to just a moment ago as the neutral zone. Right. Um, and this is within the change management methodology um, cultivated by William Bridges. Mm-hmm. He calls it transition management. Right. And like you said, he's got his three phases. So I think that would be really helpful for people to understand, mostly because what I'm finding is I have never been in this this long of a suspended neutral zone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that in and of itself is creating stress for me personally uh-huh. because I can't, I, there's no going back, but I can't yet move forward. Yeah. And so let's talk about like this, this extended stay at home sure. period and, and what it's doing for people and what advice we might have for them. Sure. I think that's a great point. I mean, for me, I've never craved blueberry muffins so much in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> So I'm kind of managing, you know, the, this, this grocery store delivery process um, yeah. that I've all of a sudden become very effective at, you know, for my iPad. Yes. Um, but with the neutral zone, let me just uh, remind people that the William Bridges model of transition um, has three phases. And so going left to right, there's the uh, endings, 
And then in the middle, there's the neutral zone. And then on the far right, there's what he calls new beginnings. And it's very a very simple model. But the amount of depth that you can go into with this model is incredible. I'm going to stay at a, um, a fairly 30% level of depth for this. But um, so when with the endings, you know, we're off also um, thinking about what do we need to let go of? So what do I need to let go of? Well, you know, I, I sit there and I say, you know, if I was somebody that was working in an organization and I was asked that question, I would kind of know what to say, but I wouldn't know if it's temporary or if it's longer, longer term, if it's all, you know, is it going to go back to the old way or not? And that causes right. some stress because there's ambiguity. Um, there are other things that I would let go of that I know, at least for the foreseeable future, you know, I'm not going to be commuting to work. I'm not going to sit in the same desk, but I'm also not going to have my little neighborhood of colleagues that we have coffee together. You know, we, we chat every so often to keep up on the speed of the, the rumor mill or the, the yeah. informal communications in the company. And anytime I want any of that type of communication, I'm going to have to schedule it. So it's going to mm. feel kind of awkward. So this letting go from from that perspective professionally is a big one. The other one is I'm letting go of the fact that maybe my children go to daycare. So now yes. they're here. Hello. Yep. You know, we're splitting the house up to have school, homeschooling, parents working from home, you know, and all of a sudden the house is feeling a lot smaller than we thought it was, right? Because we're in it mm. all the time. Um, so there's all this concepts about what do I let go of? And then um, even to the point of, you know, can I go jogging uh, in my neighborhood without a mask on? And right. in some states, that could be like a legal issue. So yeah. there's all this letting go and ambiguity and new ways. Then you go into this neutral zone where people feel depressed. They feel um, really stressed. Um, so, such a level of overwhelm that there's nothing to connect to. And my analogy to this is it's like being a fly in a bucket of water and you're in the middle of the bucket of water and you're flailing around just looking for like a line or a stick or a leaf or something. And, and you're trying to find a connection. You want some structure to really let link you into getting to the side of the pail. Well, in the neutral yeah. zone, that's one of the best things you can do because through this whole transition model, I think the number one challenge is how to manage ambiguity. And this is something mm -hmm. that entrepreneurs get pretty good at. But this situation is even a lot for them because they have other yeah, impacts, absolutely. right? Right. So when we talk about, you know, neutral zone and not knowing how you feel. And sometimes you feel like, okay, well, maybe I have some hope and I can move forward, but then you get dragged back into, well, what if this doesn't change and I'm stuck in this place? And people can get suicidal here if it goes on too long. Mm. People can um, literally have nervous breakdowns. Um, oh, wow. You have to be very nurturing of yourself and others when you're in this neutral zone, especially to your point, Suzanne, of the fact that it's lasting so long. It's not, you know, it's, it's not only lasting so long, but the impact is so multifaceted on, you know, the things that you actually need to have in your life to feel secure. Um, mm. Food, water, shelter, you know, um, professional, professional connection, family, um, all these different things are impacted. And okay. so it, 
the one piece of advice with this ambiguity uh, concept is to create structures for yourself. So they don't have to be permanent. They don't have to be, um, they don't have to be complex. They can be very simple. Um, and what they are is um, things like plan your day, have a schedule, you know, stick to that schedule and start to build it into a habit. So it's going to take three weeks to really get it to work. Um, make sure that you, you know, maybe you look at what you're eating um, and you you decide I'm going to make this a time where I can really invest in my self-care and I'm going to start making mm. sure I eat really good meals. Um, I'm going to schedule in some time with my um, colleagues to just have coffee on the phone on Zoom. Um, all the different aspects of life, you know, whether it's spiritual, financial, um, familial, uh, social, um, professional, uh, all those different physical, all those different aspects of your life have to be accommodated in the neutral zone. It, it almost sounds a little bit like a, like a getting back to basics. It is. Or, yeah. And just this idea of perhaps in some cases we were on autopilot and now we have an opportunity to revisit each of these core elements of, of what make us who we are. Yes. And in um, co-active coaching, um, they have this model called the wheel of life. And it has all those different mm. aspects that I mentioned. It's like a big pie. And right. what I think happens is when you have the rug ripped un- out from under you, the the way that these different aspects of your life show up are going to be different. So you're right. It's like you're going back to basics. So in a way, there's a huge opportunity um, mm-hmm. to take advantage of, you know, rethinking and redefining without the structure of the old way, what could it be? And, you know, really, what are your dreams and, and goals and ideas? And how can you realize them in a, in a maybe a different way through these different aspects of life in the neutral zone? Because once you can get to that point of translation, then you start to get hope. And you can, you can see these uh, intuitive sparks of your future. And that's when you start mm-hmm. to head into the new beginnings. And you won't go in really fast, but you might find that, wow, you know what? This, um, this forcing me to be in the house is really hard from, um, you know, from the, say, social perspective and, you know, the, the familiar perspective because of the daycare. But I'm really enjoying the fact that I can get up get out of my pajamas and do my yoga within 20 minutes of being up, you know, and and, there's some complexities that are removed and I feel better and you know, that kind of thing. So that once those structures are put into place in a new way on the aspects of your life, that's when I think you can actually better manage ambiguity to move to the new beginnings of the model. And in the new beginnings, that's where you can start having say, okay, I'm going to create my new vision for myself. Okay. So what is it that I really want out of life? And I usually say to people, focus on the things that make you feel good, that motivate you. Of course, there'll be things that you have to get done, but that's not necessarily got to be a part of your vision. And Mm. then use that vision and goal concept to kind of extrapolate um, your, you know, structure that you want to put in place while you're in this neutral zone, but also take the time to think about, well, 
you know, what are the options for how this will look in the future? And right. get excited about that. And, and that's the way you, I think you balance this ambiguity. And the longer we're in this this period, the stay-at-home period, the more routine or normal it will start to feel. And then we'll mm-hmm. go through another letting go mm-hmm. period, another neutral zone as we start to reintegrate, and then stability following that. This is you know, me without a crystal ball. but <laughs> No, you're completely right because one of the core concepts, as you know, about the Bridges model is that you – you don't get to escape a transition and a transition includes Mm. those three phases, letting go, going through the neutral zone, looking and getting to the new beginning. And so if you don't deal with your transition through those three phases, it stacks and there's lots of transitions you'll go through in life and they just keep stacking like layers of earth. If you look on a geographical um, picture, you start to see like, okay, this is from the rock ages. (laughs) This is the soil for my grass. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of a sudden, you, yes, get this, exactly. you get this really tall stack of transitions that you haven't uh, experienced emotionally. You haven't honored yourself to go through them and um, and make sure that you've gleaned out what the gems are for yourself each time. And then you end up getting a stack attack and you can become quite immobilized. Ooh. That's a great way to put it. So so don't let this opportunity pass you by and don't let it stack up because we do know we have other transitions coming out of this. Yes, and especially when we read ahead into the future and uh, you know the big question of are we actually going to have um, another set of a peaking on this on this pandemic, you know, in the fall is this right. going to come back? Um, when we let the states you know, go back to the way things were, even though they're following guidelines, is that just going to cause another interim peak in the summer? So if you think about the transition, this is probably just the first huge transition that we're going to go through with this pandemic. And I think that's a great point. And I think we're going to end up with maybe, you know, we could have up to 18 months and each one could last I don't know, three, four months or two months or whatever it is, but getting familiar with how to manage yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically through this um, transition uh, stuff is going to build a muscle for you to be more resilient and change. And be, as we know, change is not going to slow down, pandemic notwithstanding. Right. Um, and and we in the past, we have looked at methodologies that have helped us navigate change by really getting clear on the future and mm-hmm. setting a vision for what's to come and what you want in the desired state. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked in the recent years that that's, that's actually not where we're headed because the future is so unclear and changes. Right especially with new trends in technology and the consumer demands and employee expectations. Right. And so it's harder and harder to picture what the possibilities could be in the future. Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole conversation about how change management needs to change how we change. Mm -hmm. And I was curious if you um, had thoughts or if there's been any insights in either as change management professionals or otherwise of how people can uh, navigate change with so many unknowns. And and you said it really beautifully about getting clear on yourself. Um, And are, are there other tactics that people can take so that we can get better at changing in changing times? Well, are you thinking about this from, you know, tactics from what they can do more professionally or tactics that they could do for themselves? 
Yeah, if we think about it from a professional standpoint, uh-huh. as as when it comes to helping or organizations coming out of this, mm-hmm. will need to continue to stay abreast of the trends that are happening. Mm-hmm. And it feels a lot like that conversation I had before, where none of us has the answers anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to be able to look to somebody else who had been down a, a change journey for something that they had done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we could say, hey, what'd you learn? What was that like for you? Can we can we use a similar um, outcome or process that you used? Um, and now all of us are emerging from this with less information rather than more. Right. And so figuring it out together, I think, is, is a new, I think it's going to be a new venture for all of us. I think so, too. Um, the thing that I think is important to keep in mind is we may not have the answers or the data uh, of what to do. And how, and well, basically what to do, but we do have mm. the approach. We do have our yeah. methodologies. We do have our coaching skills. Um, we have our facilitation skills. We can go in and run a strategic visioning, uh, you know, session to bring the, to help with the emotional process of creating a target um, and the nice. intellectual process of, you know, uh, kind of figuring out what the most, uh, likely future is for the client. So I think that when we talk about technology um, and the fat pace of change, I mean, for technology, you and I have spoken about, you know, AI, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. I mean, then there's yeah. the RPA um, s- stuff with process, uh, repetitive process automation. Then there's um, all these other different robotics and all these aspects coming in. And, the thing is, is that they're not going to be able to fully automate the emotional, psychological, and personal aspects of people. Um, yeah. They can make the best robot they want, but they're not, you know, they're trying to have robots feel now, which is a little freaky, but um, right. <laughs> the, the reality of it is, is that what we can do as change practitioners, as we can ask the open-ended questions of the right people at the top to try to help them frame and reframe an interim direction because there's not going to be anything permanent. And I think that's a major mindset shift is that this is not going to be permanent. Like, and permanent might be defined as a year now. I mean, back Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, it was five years, then it was three years. And now, you know, we're down to 18 months. And in this case, maybe we're six months, three months, who knows how long it is, but whatever the next viable period of time is that we think that we have some level of definition around it, really getting in there and helping our clients characterize and understand what that what that um, period of time looks like, and then p- applying our change techniques and tools and approach to then help bring that out through the people and create that circle of understanding. And, and that's the type of thing that we can do. That's amazing. I really like the idea of changing the the time frame through which we're looking for permanency mm-hmm. and recognize that that that's no longer the goal, and really just being able to look at at, at units of time differently. Right. And where do I have clarity, and where do I have not have clarity? And so, in the the confines of the period of time with some clarity, getting clear on great questions. Um, I think you're right. The coaching element of asking the right questions can be even more impactful than having any sort of answer. I think so. And I think what's neat about the coaching approach, the coaching questions, is that it helps at every level in the organization and it helps within every 
interim period of time or, or period of time um, that you're interacting with a person or a group or whatever, whomever, because um, you, somebody personally could be having a really tough time. So you might be on Zoom or on the phone with them, coaching them you know, for 20 minutes on, you know, what's going on for you, you know, a lot of what we talked about today, you know, what, what can you put in place to help you feel more grounded, um, all the way up to the top of the organization to, you know, what are some of the key assumptions we can make about this environment? What are some of the key assumptions we can make about our core competencies today? What's going to impact them tomorrow? And okay, what are some of the scenarios that look, look like, what do they look like for moving forward and how are we going to then translate those back to change impacts and start preparing people for the fact that either there's multiple potential outcomes that could happen. Um, there's more ambiguity that we have to manage. They're going to be, have to be more comfortable in shorter time periods uh, as we go forward and really teaching people what collective empathy looks like, even in a virtual world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Collective empathy in a virtual world. I think that's uh, that's pretty quotable there. <laughs> I love it. Well, and your your point is about the having having these conversations about what we do and don't know and being a leader who's willing to to be vulnerable and give that degree Huge. of transparency as well. I think that will really help people recognize what we're contending with and what we can have have confidence in and what we all just need to work around through from an ambiguity standpoint. I agree. Yeah. Oh, well, my goodness, we've covered such great territory. I'd love to ask you if you were to look ahead, what you hope will come through from this time and help people to come back even stronger than before. I'm hoping that people will build a psychological, emotional, and mental strength, um, and resilience uh, from dealing with more ambiguity and get, gaining more, so that they gain more confidence in the unknown or and understand that just because it's unknown right now doesn't mean that it's going to stay that way forever, um, mm. and that they can become more facile in uh, you know different types of changes coming at them uh, faster. Um, more, you know, from many different areas of their life so that as they start to move forward from here, you know, some of the things that we used to think were big changes, like moving our desks from one side of the office to the other that's basically like not a big deal (laughs) Um, yes compared to a pandemic we can handle we can handle that you know oh you want me to stop doing this uh manually and i'll use a computer yeah no problem just show me show me what this means you know um and so a lot of those things that used to be the big ahas and change management you know are really just stepping stones into moving forward and that what people are really building is a better EQ, a better emotional quotient, um, emotional intelligence. They're starting to really understand the power of intuition and the power of sensing and the power of managing ambiguity and how that pulls all of the aspects of their life together so that they have a much more unified and um, integrated uh, asset within themselves Mm. to cope and to adjust. And I love that that word power. I mean, this really shifts the dynamic mm-hmm. away from from the unknown holding the power to you as the individual holding the power. Mm-hmm. 
It does. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. Well, um, is there anything you were hoping we would talk about today? I think we've we co- we've covered quite a bit. I, I mean, I I'm like, oh great. my gosh, I'm going to go write an article. She's going to have to facilitate everything I write now. This is great. I'll <laughs> gladly do that. As I knew it would, I was so excited to have this conversation with you. And and I'm lucky enough to get to, to talk with you on a regular basis. But how can other people reach you or connect with you if they want to learn more? Um, well, they can do a couple of things. If they are curious about change management and want to learn more about the field and the practice, they can go to www.changemanagementreview.com. If they want to get in touch with me personally, they can write to Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A, at changemanagementreview.com. And that's my email address. Excellent. Well, thank you for your generosity, not only in your time, but also in allowing people to reach out to you. Sure. And I wish you all the best as you continue to navigate the the neutral zone and look forward to seeing you on the other side. Oh, sounds good. (laughs) Thanks, Suzanne. This was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love to share your stories to help all of us come back stronger than we were before. For more information and to contact us, visit www.humansoptimized.com.